So, this is from A Course in Miracles, which many of you know I've been working with more intensely during the pandemic. Change is always fearful to the separated because they cannot conceive of it as a move towards healing the separation. They always perceive it as a move toward further separation because the separation was their first experience of change. You believe if you allow no change to enter into your ego, you will find peace. This profound confusion is possible only if you maintain that the same thought system can stand on two foundations, ego and spirit. And then from the Bhagavad Gita, 2.6. We don't even know which result of the war is preferable to us, conquering them or being conquered by them. Right? And then from the Ashtanga mantra, which I don't know very well, but I know this part, um, speaking of Patanjali, um, right, who's the wise teacher, the scribe of the Yoga Sutras, And part of that mantra, they say, what he holds in his hand is a sword, right? The sword of discernment. Okay. So um, there's a word in yoga philosophy that is called, well, just in Sanskrit, right? Just outside of yoga. And it's the word agni, right? Which means flame. And the yogis believe that the flame exists, and also people who practice Ayurveda, it comes from the Vedas, that the flame exists inside of our belly, right? And that when that flame is lit, that it is um, a symbol of our vitality, of our connection to source, and our connection to ourselves, and our connection to our purpose. Um, And when we are connected to our purpose, there's an understanding that... um, Life is this beautiful, unfolding, mysterious, sacred gift, right? And um, that's the purpose of having really strong Agni, right? It also is the way in which, um, for the Ayurvedic um, teachings, it's the way in which we, if the Agni is strong, that's our digestive fire is strong. So we have the capacity to take in, right? and get the parts where they need to go if that digestive fire is strong. If that digestive fire is not strong, that clarity of purpose, that flame inside of us, then it's difficult to break down and parse out the different parts and get them where they need to go. And there can be a stuckness, right? Um, An inability to be in flow, a feeling of um, rigidity and kind of just like, it's like, You guys know this feeling. I know that you do. (laughs) When there's an energetic feeling of ugh and low vibration, and that when you come out of it and return back to flow, back to your clarity of purpose, it's almost like you've moved from a thickness, right, to a lightness vibrationally, where you're swimming through molasses versus moving fluidly, even if it's difficult, Right? through water or air, something that has more capacity for movement and change. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And so that's what we want when the Agni is 
strong inside of us. Okay, so um, there's from another tradition from the Bible, there's the story of Job, which many of you have probably, um, if you came from a Judaic Christian background, as I did, I was raised Catholic. You can take the girl out of the church, but you can't take the church out of the girl. So I honor my lineage by looking into these things, right? Because it is where I came from, and that is part, I think, of um, being a yogi who has a multi-faith perspective is that we don't reject where we came from. We integrate where we came from into our new perspective, and that's important. So that's what I do. So Job, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, was a person whose life was like swimmingly going along was wealthy, had a big family, um, felt really connected to God, had a deep faith, right? And um, Satan, (laughs) whatever that energy means to you, goes and talks to God and is like, yeah, but the only reason that Job has this deep faith and is virtuous and doesn't question and isn't fearful is because Job hasn't been tested, right? And so God's like, let's see and then test Job dramatically right a lot of death um, a lot of tragedy um, a lot of problems suddenly befall him and what happens is is that Job does like say I think is, is it that is that the line I wish that Liz was here she would know I would have looked it up but um Oh, no, it's not the line. I'm thinking of a different line from a different part of the Bible. But essentially feels um, forsaken by God. And the faith is really shaken. Like that faith in what is and what Job thought to be true is really shaken and feels abandoned, right? Um, And then God, seeing this happening, then comes down and reminds Job, like, yes, even though all of this is happening, you are not alone. And there's interpretations of this story that I find very interesting, which are that um, Job's faith isn't fully integrated until he experiences difficulty and challenges, right? And then when God comes and reminds Job that Job is not alone, it's like this, like, there's, he's been cracked open And so the capacity for his faith is then expanded. And the same way that when we experience pain and difficulty in our life, if we can allow it to crack us open, then what happens is that we expand and we grow. And that's what happens to Job. So that's a way of looking at it. And, um, oh, it's just so beautiful, right? And that reminder that God comes and says, you are not alone, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, that you are perfect, right? I think that the Bible says that the kingdom of God is within, right? So that is, that's a part of our birthright, is that the um, spirit is within us always, even when what is going on out here feels challenging and difficult. Yeah? Okay. So that brings us to where we are at, <laughs> um, which is in the midst of a pandemic and a hard political moment in um, many ways. Right? A lot of people going to certain different kinds of separation, like we talked about in that quote with um, A Course in Miracles, like masks, no masks. President Trump lost the election, election. President Trump didn't lose the election. There's a lot of like divide and separation and sort of this um, 
woundedness, right? Just like Job feeling really wounded and then saying, like, actually, I don't trust this. And so going back into the camps of, like, team membership, like, oh, well, if I um, wear a mask, then I belong. Or if I don't wear a mask, then I belong to this sort of ideology, right? And um, that's because (laughs) it can feel very difficult right now to be able to make choices to know what to do at all. So very on in the beginning of the pandemic, I was speaking to my therapist who is working on multiple levels about all of this. And she said to me, you know, two things I think that are very important. One, which is what are you going to take from this year with you, right? What do you want to take with you? Do you want to take integrity and generosity and a feeling of internal abundance? Or do you want to take with you fear and lack and scarcity, right? What is it that you want to move forward with? Because this moment will not last forever. So we have an opportunity here to really like cultivate what we want to take with us. That was the first thing. And then the second part of it was (laughs) what this moment has revealed is our lack of groundlessness that is always actually there, right? Um, We don't ever know what's going to happen next. We think that we do, right? Marriage is a perfect example of this. We think in that moment when we get up there with that person and promise our lives to someone else, that that is how it is always going to go, right? But we actually can't ever know that. It is a moment-to-moment choice, and it, um, as we see in our society all the time, I'm also an example of this, is that it falls apart more often than not, statistically, right? Um, so there's a way in which we just don't know. <laughs> we might say we commit to something, but we don't actually know. We don't actually have control. And that there's a groundlessness in this year that has been more fully revealed, Right? And if we go back to the etymology of apocalypse, which we've talked about before, apocalypse means to reveal. Right? It doesn't mean an end to anything. It means that the curtain is pulled back and we see what's really there. And that is what's happening right now. So um, we can't plan. <laughs> we can't know. We can't manipulate time and space to get what we want. Right? Um, it's different. The, what we thought that we knew, what we thought we could control, what we thought we could manipulate is no longer so easily manipulatable. <laughs> it's just more honest, honestly. Um, but if we trust that the next, the thing that feels like the very next right thing to do, just the next step, right? We have this saying in my lineage, pade, pade, and that means step by step. It means one foot in front of the other foot, right? Um, and there's, oh, I want to show, I want to share this quote with you guys. There's this beautiful quote from um, Joseph Campbell. I was sending it to some friends last night where Joseph Campbell says, if you can see your path laid out in front of you step by step, you know it's not your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. And so that it's like so succinct, it, that quote, it really, um, that teaching from Joseph Campbell, it embodies that idea that we can only know the next step. 
and then we know the next step and the next step. So the idea is, is that if we take what feels like and we discern and discriminate to be the next right action, that we trust that that will unfold then into the next right action. And then we trust that it might unfold into the next right action. And so it can only ever be step by step, pade pade. It cannot be knowing, like the, those five year plan books, I would like to see them. There was, <laughs> you know, it's, this 2020 probably wasn't in that book, you know? <laughs> and so there's this way in which we really have to pull inward and take what's happening right now and be in a compassionate presence with what is, a loving awareness with what is, so that then we can take the next right step. And that's all easy to say, right? Because um, it's like, okay, well, what is the next right step, Audra? How do I know? And that's what we're here to talk about next, right? Because um, when we move from clarity of purpose, we move from love, period. There is no drive to get. Um, The doing and the choosing comes from a connection with our inner light, right? Coming back to that Agni, right? When the Agni is lit, when there's a fire lit inside of us, it means we have a connection with our purpose and we understand that each step is sacred on the path. Even if it's a misstep, that that is sacred too, right? Um, And that inner light connects us with that purpose in a consistent sort of thread-like kind of way. So how do we know what the next right thing thing is? In yoga, we have, and this comes from Patanjali, is that we have um, a term called vivika, which means discernment or discrimination, right? And it's a skill that we build. It's a skill that we build. And there's all of these, um, I like to listen to sports psychologists sometimes because that's, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, am I going to be an acupuncturist or a sports psychologist next Who knows? (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of research right now that says that um, a sense of self-regard and a sense of courage comes not from like um, just telling ourselves, you know what, you are awesome, you are magnificent, you are splendid, you are bright, shining light, right? That that doesn't actually build that sense of self-regard and a stick-to-itiveness and a sort of like sense of self-esteem, I don't really like that word, but so to speak, inside of us, that those are just words. And then what actually helps to build that inner scaffolding of strength inside of us is by doing the hard thing, right? It's from doing and engaging in the action of taking the next right step, even if it's hard, even if it's way uphill. And that when we do that next hard thing, then something inside of us is like, oh, I did that hard thing. And then it becomes easier to build and build and build that skill of engaging and taking the step toward the next right thing, even if it's difficult. So it's a skill that you build. Um, And my teacher, Manorma, her teacher, um, Swami, oh my gosh, I'm going to space it out. Um, It's Saraswati Brahmananda, I think. Yes, I I did it. Um, We call... Um, him Paraguru, right? So um, the person who is the um, guru of my teacher, you need to make decisions um, based on quiet. You need to make decisions based on quiet is what he says, not on confusion, right? 
not on um, ego, not on trying to get something, but you make decisions based on quiet. And here's the thing, friends, and this is something that um, I think all of us as adults are trying to reconnect with, to re-remember because it is we were born with it, and then we were told, probably most of us, that it was wrong. And that is that we have a one small quiet voice, our own inner wisdom that resides inside of us that when we get quiet, that we get centered, that we can hear. You have that inside of you. God gave that to you. God gave you that one small quiet voice that you can hear when you get quiet that knows what the next right step is. It's a matter of us listening to it, right? It's your birthright, but it's up to you to listen. And that's the hard part because we start getting into the vrittis, the movements of the mind and the anxiety of the moment. And then it feels really difficult to reconnect with that quiet place. So when I asked you in the beginning of class, why are you here? If that didn't show up on your list, then I hope that it does now, right? That we have the opportunity to be able to connect with that one small quiet voice that resides within each of us that is our intuitive inner wisdom. And that is not connected to ego, right? It is moving only from love. It's not from a getting. It's from a connection with beingness itself. All right. So I was on a plane once, and I read um, an article about Jeff Weiner, who is the founder of LinkedIn, and it blew my mind and changed my ideas about the possibility and the potential that resides when we have that clarity of purpose. So he writes, inspiration comes from clarity of one's vision the courage of one's conviction, and the ability to communicate both of these things. I'm going to read it again a little bit slower. Inspiration, that connection with spirit, right? When we are inspired, we are in alignment with spirit. Inspiration comes from clarity of one's vision. There it is again, that clear field, that clear energetic field, that quiet place, that peace place. The courage of one's conviction, right? The willingness to do difficult things, pare, pare, even, um, even when it's hard, right? The willingness to build that skill, the courage of one's conviction, and the ability to communicate both of these things, the clarity of vision and the courage of the conviction. And communication occurs in action, right? Actions speak louder than words, and also in the way in which we relate to one another, right? I think that words are just one part of um, the communication that he's speaking about there. And then uh, he has his beautiful uh, mission vision statement, which is to expand the world's collective wisdom and compassion. To expand the world's collective wisdom and compassion, right? Which you would be like, wait, that's the founder of LinkedIn's mission and vision statement in this life? Because it is so much more expansive than just LinkedIn, right? It is this like beautiful vision that connects with spirit. And it's just not floating out there in the world like, oh, I want to make money and having to do with the material world. It has to do with that flame that is inside of us that connects us to God, right? That got tested for Job until God came and said, you're not alone. And so there's a way in which this person from LinkedIn, I really don't know that much about him except for that um, reading this thing on one of those plane magazines, right? <laughs> but the, 
there's a way in which he's tapped into that, right? And that's a, that's a really big deal. Mine is to let love flow freely, right? To be so free that love just pours through me. And this means, friends, that everything we do connects back to this clarity of vision. Everything we do. How do we know what the, what the next step is? It connects back to that clarity of vision. How do we know what the next step is? It connects back to that clarity of, clarity of vision. How do we know what the next step is? It connects back to that, whether we're like um, going to the store or to the bank or we're having a hard conversation with our partner or we're going to go visit our mom in the hospital or we are going to practice yoga, that every single thing we do is infused with this clarity of vision. And when we can get to that place, like that's freedom to me. <laughs> That, that's freedom. And it's why we need to come back, um, like Padma Guru says, to that place of quiet, right? Because up here in the movement of the mind, our mind can trick us so that we like miss, like take missteps outside of that clarity of purpose and that clarity of vision. So to sum it all up, just so you guys got it, and you can rewatch this or write it down. I think it's a little bit too verbose for the podcast, but we'll see. I recorded it just in case, but you have it here is number one, right? You have that light inside of you, that transformative fire inside of you that helps to deal with everything that the world throws out you so that you can parse it out and digest it the way it needs to be digested. And that comes from your clarity of purpose, right? And your connection with God. Two, the next right step, you must just trust it. Let go of control of what happens next. Let go of the um, idea that you can plan or be certain about anything, right? Just trust the next right step. Three, right? Begin to clarify what your vision is for yourself in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then begin to use your discernment, your vivica, to decide is that next right step in alignment with that clarity of vision, with that clarity of purpose? Oh, man. I'm probably going to unfold some um, like group coaching workshops through the platform in the beginning of the year. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, let me know. Contact me because there are ways in which together, usually you need a guide for this kind of stuff. I know I have in my life. I'm very um, real about that is that we need someone to be able to help us hold the container to be able to make a connection um, with that inner wisdom, with that one small quiet voice so that we can take the next right action and then trust that whatever comes from that right next right action is um, perfect and powerful, even if it doesn't look like that. It's another thing my therapist taught me is that sometimes it feels shitty, but it isn't shitty, right? Sometimes it feels shitty, but it isn't shitty. <laughs> All right, my loves. Um, I 